What is up, Rangers and hockey fans? Thank you all so much for chiming in for a new breaking episode of Rangers Review. Myself, Wardy, alongside my good friend, Statboy Steven. Big diehard Rangers fans, if you guys aren't aware by that by now. But we have a breaking episode here that we're doing a live stream on YouTube. And of course, this will also be made in podcast form, probably how you're listening as well. But a lot of important news just came out for the Rangers. Something we didn't expect because one, it's not a Monday. It feels like anytime, any place that the Rangers actually have something happen over this past year, it's normally on a Monday. No, on a Sunday, they decide to, in fact, extend Mika Zibanejad to a massive eight-year deal at 8.5 mil AAV. So we're going to be sharing our initial reactions here, seeing a lot of people in the chat will be addressing that as well. A shorter episode today as we're just breaking down this, you know, really impactful news. So, Stephen, what was your initial reaction, you know, to start your Sunday like this? Um, well, I, I started my Sunday a little earlier, of course. But, I know you did, but just go um, with it. I like the AAV. I like the cap hit. Um, not a big fan of the term. Eight years is a bit much. But yeah. I guess if we signed him for a shorter term, the AAV would have been higher. So giving him a year extra to get it down to 8.5 million makes a lot of sense with all the other contracts that are coming up in the in the following years. Um yeah, it's 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 not it's not perfect. Uh, I think the first five years of the contract, he'll be fine. Um, it's like uh, anything else. I feel like this felt inevitable if they were going to extend him. It's a little bit like when we traded for Rick Nash. You know, the, the yep. first four years, you're going to get value out of that contract. The final two, uh, in that case, you're going to struggle a little bit. It's going to be the same with Zabanija. He's not going to be worth his contract for the full eight years. No, that's um, beyond doubtful. That said, I don't think this contract is an issue. Um, Agreed. I think the two contracts that are an issue are the Jacob Truba and the Chris Kreider ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen anything about no move clauses with Zibanej yet, but Chris Kreider and Jacob Truba's no move clause they expire in twenty twenty four. Yeah, I haven't um, seen anything with uh, no move to this point. It may be announced no. after we've already uh, done this episode, and that's Probably. okay. I'm assuming there's definitely some years in there. Um, that almost feels like you know it has to happen just from yeah. how contracts have been on longer. <laughs> if you, if you look at the Barkov contract that was signed earlier this week, yep, uh, Barkov had a no move clause for six years, and then a modified no trade clause um, where he can uh, submit a 16 team trade list. For the final two years, if the Rangers do something similar with Zibanejad, I'd be okay with that because it gives you some flexibility in the final two or three years, um, and that would that would ease my mind a little bit about this contract. And am I happy that Zibanejad staying? Sure. Am I super excited about the contract? No. Does this mean the Rangers are out on Eichel? Yes. That there's no way they're going after Jack Eichel with this contract on the books. And with Fox getting eight or nine million next year, and with Panarin with eleven point six million, Shesturkin, how much Shesturkin making? Six. He's making just under six. Yeah, he's um, on the and year. Then, and then Kreider and Truba, who combined for almost fifteen million, um, it's just not going to work. You're going to have fifty million dollars tied up in six players. There's no way you can afford another player at ten million. There's no way Buffalo is retaining a big. Uh, a big portion for another five years. That's just never going to happen. So, yeah, we can put the Eichel rumors to rest as Ranger fans. 
I'm sure you're more relieved than anyone else. A lot of Ranger fans are, though, at the same time, too. Look, the Eichel saga has been going on really since I believe it was uh, Bob McKenzie that tweet out that the Rangers were interested like a year ago. So it's been going on a while now between that speculation. And mm-hmm. while I would always love Jack Eichel on the Rangers, I think that this is fine, to be quite honest with you. There's still so much uncertainty with him. We'll see what ends up happening with him. But this isn't about Jack Eichel. This is about the Rangers making sure that Mika Zibanejad is going to be locked up as the number one center for the foreseeable future. And yes, I don't love the back half of the contract like anyone else, but it's one of those things, especially when it comes to hockey, it just that always happens the likelihood of you being able to land a deal with Zibijad who's currently you know at the age of 28 for a six-year deal felt unlikely and I think the Rangers need to make a statement to Zibijad similar to what they did with Kreider when it comes to you know they want them to actually be part of their core going forward and while that Kreider contract isn't pretty Zibijad there's more respect to it if you look at his numbers throughout his career as long as he's staying healthy and even with how slow of a start he had last year between getting COVID and just being inconsistent there's no denying that Zibanejad is one of the most, you know, offensively gifted uh, centermen in the game today, and he's going to continue to thrive in his prime right now. If you look, he had 50 points in only 56 games last year after having how many points in the first 15 to 20? It literally felt like he had a little to no production whatsoever. He knocked yeah. 24 goals, 26 assists. The year before that, he had his career-high season, and Immaculate only one more game, 57 games. Mika, let's not forget, he had 75 points, including 41 goals and 34 assists. The year before that, 74 and 82. So, yeah, as long as Mika stays healthy, he has been on a continued direction upward, and I really do believe that this, over the next four or five years, is going to benefit him and the Rangers a ton here because, look, they need to make sure that they lock down a guy. The Rangers have had uh, instability when it comes to their center position as it was for a while now. It makes sense to lock him up. I like this contract. I don't love the term. No one's going to like it. I think that's something that the Rangers may very well be Rangers-esque down the line and either buy him out or, you know, try to get rid of him at, at, you know, simple cost, something along those lines. That's the only thing I don't like about Rangers and long-term contracts is, what we've seen, you know, between Sather, Gordon, and may very well be the case now where Drury is, you know, always having to buy out those contracts with the last, you know, say two upwards of three years left. It's not appealing. It's definitely sucks when you have that, you know, like deferred money, if you will, that you just have to deal with. But at the end of the day, you need to lock him up. I'm glad they did it. Mika, he's one of the best Rangers and he's going to continue to be. And I think this is really going to help juvenize him going into the year, not having this loom over his head now, you know, because there's a big thing when you're going to be an upcoming um, – agent per se what are you going to do what is your impact on the team going to be per se there are guys that thrive in that role knowing that they really try to repel and get the absolute most out of them in their final year then they would potentially be a free agent but then there's also other guys that actually thrive knowing that they're locked up and secure and i think that's what mika is going to show so and in a nutshell really really happy with this i'm so happy that mika staying with the rangers don't love the latter half of that deal but i do expect there to be you know either some type of no move no trade clause hopefully it's not for the entirety of the deal but again we'll see as i'm sure it'll be uh broken down probably after this episode if at all you know i'd be very surprised if there's neither of those two things in it yeah yeah and and comparing him to Kreider doesn't really make sense to me because he plays a position where we don't have any depth my point yep um if you're looking at Kreider on on that left wing you have uh panarin and lafreniere on that right wing where he might be able to play you have kako and kravtsov but take away his bandage at and your your top center is Ryan Strom, who's not a bad player, but ideally Ryan Strom is your second line center. Um, and yeah, looking at last year, we knew he had COVID the first couple of weeks. 
And I think he had three points in his first 15 games. So um, that would mean he had 47 in his final 41 games. So he was over a point per game player for the majority of the season. You're back. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just had to close my door because it was right. creaking and making a loud noise. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, sorry, he was over a point per game for the majority of last season. Of mm-hmm. course, the, the season prior, as you mentioned, 75 points in 57 games. 74 before the, before that in 82 games. Uh, I think in 2018, 2019, that was before Panarin got here. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the first player since Gabrick, I think. Yes, I'm pretty sure to, you're correct. I remember to hit that. 70 points. Yep. For the Rangers. Yeah, the Rangers um, won a long period of time of having the Matt Zuccarellos of the world, among others. We went almost a decade with with basically um, our top top point pr- production from a single player being 59, 60, or 61. Yeah. Um, so for him to go then to 74 and then the 75 and 57 games was great. Um, look, I think Zabanejad is going to be a valuable player for this team for at least four or five years. It's just the latter half of that contract that that worries me a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. Again, we're both in agreement on that one. I think all Ranger fans can agree. You know, when a guy is going to be, you know, it's eight-year deal, he's 20 years of age right now. So it'll be like, what, 36 by the time that deal would be done Mm -hmm. right around there. So, you know, I don't, you know, that's something that we'll worry about when the time comes. But if Mika stays healthy, maybe. Would you you rather have signed him for five years at $10 a year? No. No, I think that would hurt the Rangers more for okay. what the for the guys that they have to pay coming up and Queen Fox. Yeah, no, that, that that's exactly why they went with this longer term deal also. And we're yeah. more willing because it, what was Barkov's AEV again? Uh, 10 million. Yeah. So this is this is one point five lower than Barkov. And don't get me wrong. Barkov is the better overall player over Zabanjad. There's no denying that. Um, but Zabanjad, I think, is a criminally underrated player in the game today. And while, you know, again, I, I love Jack Eichel and I think he would be fantastic for this team, the Rangers need to make sure that they had a commitment one way or another, regardless on if it was Eichel or Zabanjad. They need to make sure that one of them was a lock, at least. And I'm glad they did that now. And I'm really curious to see now how Zabanjad is going to be doing going into the season as the season is just about to begin, right? And a question you, and I think this is a good question to ask right now, and, you know, it may very well still be uh, the assumed guy that we believe in Kreider. Could this be a telltale sign of potentially Mika being the next captain with how they locked him up last minute like this type thing going into the year? Could this, you know, I, in my mind, this would only increase the likelihood rather than decrease. And it very well could be Kreider again. Could be someone else that we're not even thinking of, maybe a Truba. But, you know, it's. I think that there's a fit, better argument to be had that it may very well be Zbanjad. Yeah, I still think Kreider and Truba are the front runners for the captaincy. Um I think Kreider, I'm not sold on Truba, however. It it depends on what they're looking for in a captain. Um, yeah. Kreider is the obvious candidate. Um, mm-hmm. He's been here the longest. Um, he is the longest tenured Ranger. The second longest tenured Ranger is Zibanejad, who, who arrived in 2016. The third longest is Hedl, who arrived in 2017. So everyone else has been here for... Four, four years or, or, or less. Um, Kreider makes sense. Zabanajet is obviously in the conversation. I don't know how much this changes their, their decision, though. 
I mean, would I think their decisions already made? I don't uh, yeah, know. That's, yeah, that's 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 basically <laughs> where I was going with this. I think they made their decision before they agreed to an extension with Zabanajad. I agree with that. I think it's I think um, it's been locked in for a bit now, and it's just not made yeah. public yet. Yeah. So I still think it's going to be Kreider. Um, although, I mean, if I have to pick a name out of left field to be the captain, wait, let me guess. Let me think. Did, have you discussed this name before? No, I don't think so. Okay, okay. Because I was going to say, I know you proposed Lafreniere. Oh, that's a good one too. No, I was actually thinking of Ryan Lindgren. Oh yeah, that's not. That's I think I think the Rangers have multiple candidates that could actually do mm. the job well. But yeah. you're right. I think I think more than anything, the veteran leadership aspect is why I think Kreider's the most favorable. Yeah. And just, you know, the long-term commitment. We'll see, though. Again, this is a good problem to have. There's no issue either way. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the Rangers actually making this announcement. And I know that we talked about in our last episode that um, the audio was so terrible. My apologies again, everybody, um, if you're watched on YouTube at least. But um, last episode when we talked about the Rangers and um, regarding – what was it? I'm, I'm actually blinking right now regarding captaincy. Um, no, I'm blinking. Go go ahead with anything else you have to say. I'm trying to remember. I don't know why. I just lost it. It literally was just in my head and popped right out. In general, when it comes to Zabajat, this is what I meant mm-hmm. to ask you. What are going to be the salary implica- implications now for the team this season and going forward? How significant are they expected to be? Um, look, I don't think for the Rangers anything changes. I don't think they were planning on trading Zibanejad at the deadline had they not come to an agreement yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think that. this changes the coming season at all. This uh, Zibanejad was going to be here from the first game until the last. Um, but it does make it a little bit easier now um going into the season knowing that this is also the core you're going to have next year yes of course everyone wants to know about adam fox you know what's adam fox gonna sign for Mm -hmm. i'm curious to see what's going to happen with ryan strong yeah me too that's because i know we all want philip hedel to step up and 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 replace Ryan Strom on the, on the for having a hat trick last night too in the final oh, no. season game. Yeah, Heedle had a hat trick. Uh I think Carco was the best player last night and in the entire preseason. Yeah, from from everything that I saw, it looks like he dominated. Oh. Did he he finished preseason with five points in four games? Something like that. But it was yeah. more than just the points. You know, oh, I know. Was, like you could, he looks like an animal. And we'll talk about was, that more he in was, next episode. But yeah, he was stealing great. the pucks in the neutral zone. He was skating away from from players like Barzal, you know, who is one of the best skaters in the league, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially one of, one of the fastest. He the Players just bounce off him. You know, they, once he has the puck, they cannot take the puck off him. Um, he drew the penalty in overtime that eventually led to the overtime winner that he assisted on. Yep. He had a great game. Anyway, but going back to uh, the season... Uh, we're going into now. Adam Fox is going to be a question mark in terms of how much he's going to sign for. But Ryan Strom, I think Ryan Strom is going to be back next year. 
And I know Ranger fans really want Philip Heedle to step up and then Morgan Barron to to step into the third line role and have Kevin Rooney or Justin Richards on the fourth line and then use the cap space we get with Strom coming off the books to sign guys like Kako and Kravtsov. I get it. But if Strom has another season like he had the last two years... You can't justify how, just wanting to walk from him right away. Though. How do you justify letting him walk for nothing? Yeah, no, the you player can't. puts up that production, and your team is not changing either. I mean, listen, if you're in a situation where his line mates are out or, or you know, the, the, they're free agents and you're not resigning them either, sure, I get it. Panarin's still going to be here. And as much as people say Panarin makes Strom a better player, I think it goes both ways. Uh, because let's not forget that Panarin put up career numbers in in only 69 games last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and this year, again, I th- how, how many points did he have this year? 95? Let me let me look that up quickly. Panarin? Because, yep, yeah, Panarin. Let me quickly look that up. I got it. The most he impressive has... thing about Panarin... Panarin in the shortened season at 58 and 42. And the year before that, he had a career high 95 yeah. and 69. Yep. Yeah. Um, so if you if you go onto the NHL.com website and you go to stats <laughs> and you sort by a point per game season totals, uh, the top five for the in Rangers history is um Jean Rattel. Frank Boucher, Yaromir Jagr, and Artemi Panarin twice. Yeah. He has quickly ingrained himself in this organization. That's how good his seasons have been. Um, he was on pace for 116 points this past season over 82 games. Yep. His career high is before he joined the Rangers was 87. So, yeah, you can say that Panarin makes Strom better, but it works both ways. Panarin put up career numbers in back-to-back seasons with Ryan Strom on his line. When Panarin was out, Ryan Strom still um, still produced. So moving on from Ryan Strom and letting him walk for free, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think uh, it's obvious that what we've seen with them over the past couple of years is they complement each other very well. Yeah. And while there's always going to be that narrative, oh, you know, Strom's only doing this because Panarin, it's been proven by now that that isn't solely the case, especially for times that Artemi was out. And even then, you can still make the argument that why does it matter? Where's Panarin Mm -hmm. going? What do you need to worry about is my point. As long as those two are connected and thriving, by all means, that's that's perfectly fine with me. You know, like it's same same argument can be said for so many players along great players. Think of the Chris Kunitz of the world with uh, Sidney Crosby or whoever it's going to be, Malkin, whoever, um, you know, other winners. Like, yes, they're definitely not going to thrive. Same thing with Connor McDavid and his winners um, to the same extent. But it doesn't matter. Like, as long as they're not going anywhere, like, and you're not trying to uh, – if you're not going to give them a deal that's going to uh, directly hurt the team where maybe, you know, the other guy, the main top guy is going to be gone soon. It, yeah. it simply doesn't matter. So it's a stupid argument to be had. I think what mm-hmm. we realize now over time, but to kind of wrap up things on Zabanjad here, just again, it's fantastic to see the Rangers show this commitment and, you know, go forward now into the season. And while they're definitely going to have, as I originally asked you, like salary implications for the upcoming free agents, for sure. 
knowing that you get a guy like Zabanjad to avoid him potentially hitting the market, to avoid any kind of nonsense of thinking about should we potentially try to trade him at the deadline, say they're underperforming or not where they need to be, they don't have to worry about any of that now. And I think that the comfortability now of having him locked up is going to pay dividends for this team. So now you get into after this season, you're going to have some big contracts you have to hand out. Um, the smaller ones include Sammy Blay and also uh, Ryan Strom. Strom will be a decent amount. Um, Vitaly Krasov, RFA already. Uh, Kako will be very interesting. Uh, Julian Gauthier, that doesn't really bother much. But then getting on to Keandre Miller is going to be an RFA. Um, no, 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 no. Keandre Miller is oh, RFA. My, no, no, I read the stat wrong. Yeah, it's, it's Adam Fox. Adam Fox will yeah. be the huge one out of all this. Um, and of course, Lieber Hayek. No, I'm joking. Um, but uh, all in all, Foxy leads the way for what we have to worry about for the near future. Yeah. But they'll get it done. I'm confident in them. And I'm just, I'm glad to see right before the season starts that we're on a positive note. And now it'll be interesting to see who exactly hops on that ice, potentially for game one, even though I know you want to be for the Rangers home game to see who the captain will be. Um, I will be in attendance, however, as I mentioned to you, to everybody that's listening to this episode, I will be going to the Rangers first game of the season in D.C. Very excited for that. Hopefully they play well. Um, Ovechkin, I don't know what his stats is going to be. I know he just got hurt recently um, Mm -hmm. from trying to make a check, so that could benefit the Rangers in the scenario he's not playing. Not that I wish injury on him. I just don't know what the stats is on that front. Um, very, very much looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing Zbanejad a locked up man with no uncertainty now for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing to keep in mind is the, um, uh, the cap penalties, uh, this upcoming season's 4.4 million. Uh, next season it drops to 3.4. And unless we have another buyout 2023, 2024, we should be clean of cap penalties. Um, so that's also important. That could go a long way into rounding out this uh, this team. Um, but what will be important for the Rangers is, you know, we, we've hit on players either in trades or drafting, uh, you know, with, um, with Lindgren, uh, Fox, Miller, uh, Lundqvist is looking good. Uh, Kako is looking great. Uh, Lafreniere is making is making steps. Uh, Kravtsov is a better player already. Even Gauthier is showing things. You know, having those players on cheap contracts contributing is great. Once those players outlive their entry level contracts, though, you need new players coming in to make an impact. You cannot be a contender without <laughs> players on entry level contracts making an impact. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So. Who's going to be the next? Who's going to be part of the next group of players that contribute on this team on an entry level deal? Outside of the players that we currently have, hmm. um, I would. You're looking at the obvious ones on defense. Zach Jones, yeah, I think he comes to mind right away. Um, potentially Braden Schneider as well in a scenario where Truba's traded, and that's kind of you know like the next step for them because they're probably yeah. not going to have room um, offensively. Yeah, but- they're yeah. off- offensively, you know, I, I honestly think to a certain extent, just depending on how long this bottom six stays shaken up, uh, Laurie Pagliunemi. I, I think that, again, I'm going to stay with him. I think he's someone that could impact this team over the next couple of years. Um, outside that, I think other guys are a little bit, you know, a ways away. It all depends on trades and things. But 
a moral of the story, the Rangers are in a great position now, as we've talked endlessly when it comes to just how much capital, how much stock they have with their prospects and how deep this farm is versus what it used to be. Because mm-hmm. if you see other teams as well, and while you know not all of them are great examples, like Toronto, for instance, has thrived off of guys being on entry-level deals, especially if they, say, hired them. Um, not I shouldn't say even entry-level, but when they got certain Europeans, uh, for example, while they haven't had playoff success to the – way that they would like to that's an example of a team that's been really heavy when it comes to their cap but has been ma- able to work it to a certain extent tampa bay's the prime example as they've won back-to-back cups and have still been able to use some guys that aren't on long-term deals yet you know they do great with their drafting um same could even be said with the hurricanes with certain players um there's a lot to go around but yeah. moral of the story again is the depth of the rangers currently have with their prospect pool is going to really benefit them going forward here. Yeah. Even in the scenario where maybe they don't commit long-term to a Kratzoff, for instance, or someone else that maybe just doesn't reach expectations. It could be a Pavel Buchnevich 2.0 where down the line, you know, even while they're in their prime, they already have guys that are, you know, right there to really take that and on a d- cheaper deal where they can handle uh, losing one or multiple of them. And I think that's something we're going to see the Rangers in scenarios uh, not often, but – Few and far in between will happen over the next five years. Yeah, and 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 this is why two things: the Hartford Wolfpack has an important role to play in our in our <laughs> cup window. Always. And when we look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, you see guys that have that have uh, developed in Syracuse. And I mentioned this before: it's not just their drafting, because there are undrafted players there as well. Alex uh, Boreboule, who is now uh, on waivers today. Uh, undrafted player, uh, Yanni Gord, undrafted. Um, Andre Pilat was a seventh round pick. That's not good drafting. You're just, you just, you just pick a guy, you send him to your minor league team, and you try to develop him into an NHL, and it works because they have a system in place that gets it done. Proper development. Oh. Yeah, we, we. Yes. I feel like we talk about we've talked yeah. about this every single episode. Exactly, but it is. That, but the reason we talk about it so much is because it is so important, and for. The longest time, the Hartford Wolfpack has been a graveyard for prospects. Yep, you know guys like Ryan Grubb, Afghani Grachev. I can go on. I can I can name twenty. We don't need to. <laughs> who, who never developed into anything while playing in Hartford. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones that did make it were the exception, but you don't want it to be the exception. You want it to be the rule. Um, mm-hmm. But also, with the importance of entry level contracts, still contributing to your success, especially in a salary cap league, I don't want to start trading away first-round picks, which is another reason why I'm really not interested in a Jack Eichel trade. And that and that's a completely fair argument. I've never been one that's been in favor of, you know, the Sather effect, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like, through my young life as a Rangers fan, that's all we saw for year after year after year until we came to a conclusion that while we had a solid core group, you know, it's five-year mm-hmm. run plus, it just, it's not working. They, they the can't thing get is, over that The hump. thing is, you know, when the Rangers started trading away the first round picks, it made sense. 2012, you make the conference final and you go, okay, what are we missing? We're missing that top-end talent. Correct. And so you go out before they want this trickle down effect. It's snowball. Yeah, so you go out and you trade for Rick Nash, who carried a franchise on his back for a decade. I think his struggles in New York have often clouded his stellar career in Columbus. Um, in a nutshell, not to you know get on a tangent yeah. about Nash here, but 
he came into the Rangers and was a different player than what the Rangers were expecting. It's simply yes. put, especially yes, when he was utilized yeah. uh, playing in the Olympics under Babcock for mm. Canada. I remember perfectly. That's when he was first toyed with on PK. And that's where yeah. this dominant two way forward was birthed. And that's just mm-hmm. something that wasn't the case when he was in Columbus. Cause he was a one man show there. Yeah. Um, so I, you can argue if they went after the wrong guy, but you cannot argue that they shouldn't have gone after a guy there because when you're in a position, when you're in the final four in the playoffs, that's when you trade away some futures to put you over the top. The following year, they go after St. Louis and in 2015, they go after Keith Yandel. It was a bit much, but you know, you try to, you try to win now (laughs) at that point. It's really one of those scenarios. And we can look at Tampa as a great example too. They, it's no one's going to complain as long as you win it all in the end. But the Rangers, yeah. unfortunately, were exactly. never able to get there, and that's why the it looks bad. Is, in hindsight. The point is, the Rangers aren't in a position, in my opinion, where they should be trading away future assets to put themselves over the top. Because Agreed, they, you, they need to, they need to give these guys time, in my opinion. That's no, it's it's, it's not it's not that it's not that. But with the okay, increased with the increased talent. You're not making yourself a contender. You're making yourself a playoff a playoff team. Yeah. You need to be a playoff team first, and then that trade at the deadline or that trade in the summer then puts you over the top and makes you a contender. That's what. That's the point I was trying to get across. You, they yeah. need to get to somewhere. They need to. So, they need to solidify themselves mm-hmm. to a certain level, and then yeah. take that next step to kind of go back to not exactly. their old ways, but just be willing at the right price for certain guys. Yeah, don't don't trade away first round picks and top prospects to become a playoff team. Become a playoff team first, and then start trading away Bingo. some assets. And and learn and learn exactly how much that you need to address, if at all. Because the Rangers would be in a stupid scenario where, mm-hmm. say, they trade ahead of time and got rid of some guys, right? Then you have the risk of what if this still doesn't work out? You know, maybe they should. You want to ride out to know what you're working with. And again, mm-hmm. I know we keep referencing Tampa, but they're a great example. Let's not forget when they went back to the Cup in the early 2010s and lost to Chicago. Right? They were on the cusp, but they weren't there yet. They didn't have the depth nor enough playoff experience to that point versus a team like Chicago, who if you look at what they did that year, they made, you know, trade deadline moves. I think maybe that was the year they acquired Michael Hanzus. And uh, was that also the year that they acquired um, uh, from the Flyers? I'm blanking. Uh, Timonen? Um, it might have been um, on defense. No less, my point is, is that they already had themselves built up and knew what they needed to address. Tampa took them a while, but they finally figured out the core that they're working with, but also the proper trades that need to be made to get them to take that next step. And that's something that's a playbook that every playoff team has been doing and could, should continue to, to make sure that you don't, you know, you don't step your foot too forward on, you know, making rash decisions, wait until you know what you're working with and then reevaluate things. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, there's the other side of the coin where you have the examples of Ottawa and San Jose. Yes. Where you give up a first-round pick for a player you think is going to put you over the top, but then it turns into a four, fourth overall selection. San Jose was full. Like, th- there's there's perfect reasons as to why everything fell. Like, San Jose, they never came off as a team that, you know, 
Eric Carlson would be their game. I granted, I did not expect them to downgrade the way they did as soon as they acquired Carlson, but he was mm-hmm. already at a point in his career where there was plenty of risk coming off of his injury. And how exactly would he be able to rebound? And I love Eric Carlson. He's one of the best defensemen that I've ever witnessed. My brother, he's always been a diehard fan of his, but you know, to put that much stock into your defense of all things, especially for a defense that wasn't strong defensively off, you know, you need to have a balance. They never had that balance and it ended up being their downfall. So yeah, no, they're, they're example of what not to be. They tried, yeah. but they, again, they pushed too forward with uh, and this, and the the same, same with Ottawa. Ottawa made the conference final in 2017. They traded for Matt Duchesne in yep. that weird three-way trade with Nashville and Colorado. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that first round pick turned out turned into Bo and Byron for Colorado. Yep. Because I remember it was a conditional first, and and Samuel uh, Girard acquired from Nashville. Yeah, so it was, was a fourth huge. overall pick in 2018, and they opted to keep that pick because they got Brady Kachuk with it. Mm-hmm. And they were hoping that their pick the following year was going to be better, or like a lower pick because of their better performance. And it still turned out to be a fourth overall pick. Um, So those are the situations where you have to be careful. And I don't think the Rangers are in a position yet where they should be trading away futures. Um, Like I said, get there first, make sure Kako and Lafreniere have a couple of seasons uh, under their belts, Uh, maybe a playoff, a playoff or two. Mm -hmm. And then, I always said our our window uh, of contention opens in 2024. Yeah, I know you've been an advocate advocate for that for a while. And when you look at the current lineup, there's a good reason to believe that guys yeah. are going to hit a certain point by then. Yeah, and I've had people I've had people say to me, "Why is it going to take so long?" Because that's it may, it may be beforehand. Again, there's a maybe, lot of maybe, uncertainty, but I think maybe the safe we route, the maybe safe we route is the same. Is my point. But um, it's it's not unheard of for a team to go from a top three pick to being a contender. Uh, or it's pretty rare for a team to do that in less than five years. Mm-hmm. You're, you're so picking a safer bet. 2024 is a five-year window, a five-year span where you get from one, one point to the next. Uh, and if you look at a team like, Colo- like uh, Chicago, um, they drafted Taves, they drafted uh, Kane, then they added Marion Hosa. Um, they had Duncan Keith on defense. Um, it still took them six years from their first high pick, which they 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 really ruined it with Cam Barker. But still, mm-hmm. their first top five pick to winning the cup took them six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took the Penguins seven years. Uh, it took the Kings five years, and it took the Bruins five years with that soft reboot they did in two thousand six. You're so, going. You're going with the trends of what we've seen universally. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And that's and that's. I think that's fair. You know, I I don't disagree with that. And yeah. of course, will I be you know jumping for joy if the Rangers have themselves a dominant year and have a deep playoff run? Absolutely. But you know, we need to see it to believe it. You know, once yeah. we get there, we'll talk about it then. But let's just worry about going this year and making playoffs. Uh, what they do in playoffs, I'll I'm going to get emotional. You know, uh, worry about it more then. But for right now, I just let's just make sure that they can actually get there and then go from there. Um, and I think that really is a great way to wrap up this episode, guys. So, again, if you're listening live in the live stream, thank you so much for chiming in. 
this episode of Rangers View. Episode 34 now. We got a lot more coming. The next episode is going to be also on uh, this upcoming Tuesday, the night before the first game of the season in D.C. So stay tuned for that as well, folks. Um, we'll be taking questions then. We're not going to be doing now because this is a short episode uh, for people that are in the live stream. But if you're listening on podcasts, it doesn't really matter. Um, a lot more changes, like I said, will be coming in the near future between logo change, how the approach is on YouTube, and all that fun stuff. So stay tuned for that. But, Stephen, do you have any final remarks here before we wrap up this one? Um, no. Um, yeah, one one thing that I thought was funny, actually. Um, last season, Mika Zibanejad had more points than the Ottawa Senators. Total? The Ottawa Senators finished with 51 points in the standings. Oh, and I was about to say, I'm like, total. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about production. I'm just comparing Mika's production to. Oh, just to an overall team success. That's funny. (laughs) It's, uh, you know, it's just some weird thing that I, that I. Steven woke up and said, how do I throw shit on the Ottawa Senators today? There you go. I don't need, I don't even Sorry, dislike Ottawa. the Ottawa Senators. I think they are probably the least corrupt senators in Canada. <laughs> Coming from the man that lives in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but other than that, uh, let's go Rangers. I'm looking forward to the uh, to opening night on Wednesday. Okay, yeah, me too. And uh, one last tidbit on Ottawa. I like their I really like their young group that they have now, but I, I will always have a sour taste in my mouth because I've never been a fan of Nick Foligno. I don't I don't appreciate those early 2010 runs, Nick Foligno in Ottawa. Mm. I did not like him. And that will that will stay near and dear to me for a while. That that's all I gotta say. Nothing personal, just I don't like Nick Foligno. Yeah, during his time in Ottawa. Likeable. Carlson was likable, but other than that, I didn't really have any any player on that team that I was like, oh yeah, that's a nice guy. No. Yeah, I there's a lot more that they currently have in their rebuild that I'm a lot yeah. I'm very appealed to versus what I used to be. But I just feel bad for Senator fans with you know with Melnick still at the helm and they do have a yeah. lot of really good young prospects. So like they yeah. have a lot of great young talent. They're flooded with talent. They just need to make sure they can properly develop. Um, they really they, they did they actually announce it in Ontario they're going to full capacity for sporting events. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, not that it affects the Ottawa Senators, of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done. We're done. This, again, okay, no, no, Ste- like, Stephen's just that? terrible today. My goodness gracious. Sorry. I'm sorry, Ottawa. Direct your direct your complaints to St- Stephen at, at Statboy underscore Stephen on Twitter. Yeah. Or complain about it in an Uber. That's true. <laughs> Goodbye, folks. Make his bad ad. New York Rangers yeah. for the next eight years. Nine years, including this year. All right, guys. We'll be back on Tuesday. Talk to you soon. Let's go Rangers.